Welcome to Southcrest. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that you are honoring your moms and remembering your moms and spoiling your moms today, taking them out to lunch, dinner, whatever it is. And uh, my name is Matt. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And we are in the middle of our sermon series called God Is. And we are looking at today that God is love. God is love is the topic today. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Grab your phones, pull your phones out. Go to the Bible app or type it in, John, 1 John chapter 4, in, in your little Google search or whatever, and it'll come up, and uh, the verses will also be here on the screen. Before we get into this passage, though, if you remember, we talked about how God is holy at the very beginning. We talked about how God is, he is so big, and he is indescribable, and there's parts of God that he shares with us. God shares his wisdom with us. God shares his love with us. God shares uh, his goodness and kindness with us. And then there's this whole other side of God that he doesn't share with us. His holiness, his omnipresence, his omniscience, right? His, his power and, and uh, you know all these things that he holds himself because he is God and we are not. And I wanted to make this statement before we go any further just to help you solidify who God is, God's attributes are always within harmony with themselves. God's attributes, he's always perfectly, all of them all at once. He doesn't come over here and he puts on his holy hat for one second. He's holy now. And he takes that off and now he comes over here and now he's the righteous God. And then he takes that off and now he's the merciful God. No, he is all of those things all at once, all at one time. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you may come to a passage of scripture uh, where it says that God is jealous. And you might think, well, isn't jealousy bad? That's a bad thing. How can he be jealous? God, well, he's a holy, it's a holy, loving jealousy that he has for people. And so I want you to know that he is not in conflict with himself. He's all of these things all the time. And today we are looking at God is love. And this is yet another large topic that we could spend probably a couple of months on. But uh, we're going to give just a brief overview of it today. First John chapter four. Are you guys there? First John chapter four. If you're there, I'm there. Let's read this down. And then we're going to kind of break it down for a few minutes. Verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You can underline that. God is love. That's the established thing that we're talking about today. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God, we love you today. God, we ask that you would just give us a great revelation over the next 25 minutes or so of your love. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you just reveal to us a little bit more about your greatness, your goodness, your love to us? God, speak to us in this moment. You're welcome here. We thank you that your word is the authority of life, and we submit to it in this moment, and it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. You know, if we're going to preach a message on, on love, I just have to take a second and kind of think about love in modern times and within our culture uh, right now. You know, love makes, love, love is a crazy thing. Absolutely, it's a crazy thing. Love makes us do crazy things. It makes us tattoo our boyfriend's name on our arms and like this person right here, Michael, you're my heartbeat and I love you, okay? And then you know, Lisa is, is, loves Michael, and now all of a sudden, Michael's not into Lisa anymore. Now he's into Abby, and so now she's got this on her arm, and now she's got to deal with this thing, you know, and either get it removed or get it to change or do something. Or love might make you text your boyfriend or girlfriend literally every five seconds, and I'm here to tell you he doesn't like it. You know, he just, that's a lot. That's a lot on him. He just doesn't know how to process all of the, the, the things, the words, or it makes you spend all your money, man. I mean, like, you'll empty your bank account and make massive life decisions based on love. I wanted to be a doctor. Well, now I'm going to, you know, hop in a van and go travel to Australia because that's what we're going to do, babe, me and you, you know? Like, we're making these life-altering decisions based on love and Love makes you feel crazy things as well, and we can't not talk about love songs. I'm a musician. I love love songs. How many of y'all like love songs? And here, let's just be honest. Love songs are amazing. They're epic. They're incredible. It's an estimation that there's over 100 million love songs ever written, and the oldest one dates back to 2000 B.C., thousands of years. We've been writing love songs. We've written songs about loss and lust and romance and love and then the heartbreak. There's a lot of songs about heartbreak, tons of songs about heartbreak. And then there's even songs about the rebound. And we're going to look at that here in just a second. Lots about rebounding, right? Love songs work because they put our feelings into words and into music. Okay, so I got to look at a couple of these with you really quick. The first one, we can't talk about love songs without talking about Al Green. Al Green, let's stay together. You know what I'm talking about. Don't, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ah, so I'm not going to sing it, but you know, you know the song. I'm so in love with you. Whatever you want to do is all right with me because you make me feel so brand new and I want to spend my life with you, babe. It's all about you. I feel good. And then the next one is Beyonce, right? Crazy in love. You got me looking so crazy right now. You know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't, like, don't just stare at me like I'm weird. You know these songs. Your loves, your touch, your kiss, it's got me. I'm going crazy because of the way you make me feel. Oh, it's good, right? Oh, just feel it right here. And then the heartbreak. Love stinks. Y'all know this song right here? Love sinks. You love her, but she loves him, and he loves somebody else. You just can't win. And so it goes to the day you die. This thing they call love is going to make you cry. There you go, baby. And then the rebound. Lots of songs about rebound. You know, we're in Georgia, so we got to talk about country music for a second, right? You got Luke Combs. He writes this song. When it rains, it pours. He, his woman just leaves him, and so he's in his truck, and he's driving down I-65, and he goes to a Shell gas station, and this is what happens. Then I won 100 bucks on a scratch-off ticket. I bought two 12-packs and a tank of gas with it, and that's root beer for the Baptist in here. He ain't, he ain't drinking. He's, it's root 12-pack of root beer. So she swore they were a waste of time, but she was wrong. 
And then it goes on. I was caller number five on the radio station, won a four-day, three-night beach vacation. Deep sea senorita fishing down in Panama. And the best part, he ain't got to see his ex-future mother-in-law anymore, man. So that's the best part of it all, you know. That's the hook, you know. (laughs) I ain't got to see my ex-future mother-in-law anymore. Oh, when it rains and pours. You know, love is complicated. It's a complicated thing. You know, I love music, love love songs. I love hamburgers, like really love hamburgers. And I love my wife, you know what I mean? And I, and, and I don't love all those things equally, but it's just a word we use. It's, it's largely over, overused. And, you know, I'm not up here to say that feelings are bad at all. God gives us emotions. We have love for our brothers. If you're in the military, you love your brother in arms. Or um, if you have a family, those, those kiddos we saw up on the screen just a minute ago, those, uh, those parents love their kids. And we have feelings of romance. And, and all of that's you know true. That's, we feel those things, and, and God gives us that. But because of sin, we have distorted in our day and time what love really is we've primarily mistakenly reduced it down to largely a feeling. We, we've selfishly made it about me, all about me and my needs. There's this hashtag that goes around, it's, it's love is love, right? And it's, it's this movement largely within uh, progressives and it's modern, it's love is love. And you know, that's what sometimes we have these statements and at face value, that looks fine. That, that statement doesn't look wrong. It looks good, you know, but a lot of times what the enemy can do is just take something good and just twist it just barely, you know? And so if you, if you dive into maybe even this kind of a statement, you, you can find out that it's problematic because it, what it means is, look, you can be anything. You could be straight. You can be gay. You could be bi. You can seek polyamorous or monogamous relationships. You can be single and just have friends with benefits as long as you're getting what you need you're getting your emotional needs met, your sexual needs met. You're getting the companionship that you want. Love is love. Oh, wait, that didn't work out? That you, He didn't give you what you needed? Okay, so that's, that's not love anymore. Now, now this is love over here, and it's this moving target all over the place. And we've cheapened the value of love. We fall in love as quickly as we fall out of love. And, and here's the truth. No matter if you have experienced great love, enduring love here on this earth, or if your heart has been broken by love, if we're all honest in here, earthly love isn't enough. It doesn't truly satisfy our hearts. It all points to a greater love, a higher love, and that love is the love of God. Love is not an earthly invention or simply an earthly feeling. I want to prove that to you really quick. John 17 Look at this verse right here. This is Jesus praying to the Father before he goes to the cross. And he says, Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am, to see my glory. He's he's praying about believers. The glory you have given me because you have loved me when? Before the foundation or the creation of the world. So love existed far before you and I existed and before you and I fell in love or had our first crush. Love was in existence between the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they were sharing love before the creation of the world. We don't get to define what it is. God defines what it is. The origins of love is with Him. He sets the standard. So, God is love. What is love? God is love. God doesn't merely love 
or feel love. Uh, God is love. It's, it's who he is. Everything flows. Everything he does flows from this place of love. It's not this romantic, sappy, emotional love that we see on Netflix if you're, you know, popping up some, you know, reality TV show about dating, you know, blind dates or whatever it might be. That's not love. God is love. He doesn't love me because I deserve it. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. He loves because it's his very nature to love, and he has to stay true to his nature. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, we talked about how God's holy, right? Another word for holy is pure. God's love is a holy love. It's a different love. It's a pure love. Our love is tainted. Our love is mixed with these other things, right? These selfish desires or what I can get out of it, you know, but God's love is is pure. It's clean. And what we're going to see here in a minute, it's based on his choice and a commitment that he makes to you and me. And that's incredible. The Old Testament, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes, grab your Bibles, go to Exodus 34 really quick. Exodus 34, we're going to spend a minute in the Old Testament. We're going to then look at the Gospels, and then we're going to land back at 1 John 4 here in just a second. But we kind of want to give you an overview of God's love here. And uh, for extra credit points, does anybody know the language the Old Testament was written in? Boom, Hebrew, that's exactly right. The Hebrew word for God's love, one of them, is hesed. God's love is hesed in the Hebrew, and uh, this is what it means. Hesed is, is a, it's a choice. Love is a choice. God chooses to love us. It's a faithful love. It's a, it's a loyal commitment proven by action. has nothing to do with feeling, and we'll see this here in Exodus 34. Right here, it says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, or hesed, for thousands and forgiving iniquities and transgressions. This is an incredible moment of God's love because this is a promise. He's talking to Moses in this moment. And just to give you a quick backstory, there's a lot to this, but God chooses to love a group of people, the Israelites, through Abraham, right? The Israelites, they're, they're fickle, right? They're, they love God one minute, and then they don't love him, and back and forth, and they find themselves in captivity under Pharaoh in Egypt. God lovingly leads them out of that, and here we are again where the Israelites are making a golden calf and worshiping a golden calf, and then God meets with Moses, and he makes this declaration and says, look, I love them. I am merciful, I am gracious, I'm slow, all these things. He lists out five attributes right here that show God's love and what love is. Number one is he's merciful in that passage. What does that mean? That means he genuinely cares about humans. That he has this favorable disposition towards us, this tender attitude of concern. The next one was he said he was gracious. He gives people things they do not deserve. This is what love is. Love in modern culture isn't these things. We're concerned about me. But God is concerned about others. He's concerned about us. The next one is slow to anger. Man, he is patient with sinners. How many of you are thankful in here that God is patient with you? Man, I am. I am so thankful because, man, do I mess up all the time, and yet he is patient with me. He is not ready to kick me out. When I make a mistake, 
No, he's, he's like the, prod, the father and the prodigal son waiting for us to come back. He's this loving father. Just, he's just wanting us to turn to him. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. He's, he's, he's waiting for us. And then the next one here, he's faithful. Like what he says is truth and we can count on it. And all of these things are parts of this idea of this steadfast love. Hesed, his love, is not this emotional response to beauty, right? I mean, look, look, look at me. I mean, it's like this is, you know, God, God's got better things, right? It's not this, this performance-based thing. Like I cannot perform good enough to impress God to love me. I can't, I can't do that. There's nothing, there's nothing good in me. But yet he, he has this moral, this attitude where he's choosing, he's chosen you and he loves you and he's concerned for you and it's more about you than it is what he gets out of it. That's the beauty of this love. It's long-term, long-term commitment. He's in it for the long haul with you and me. <laughs> Reliable, no matter how fickle or changing we are, he remains the same man and his promises he has to keep them. It's beautiful. Isaiah 54, this is another passage that's amazing where it kind of talks about his love. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast hesed, the choice, the commitment through action, confirmed through action, shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's love is different. This is a different kind of love. He's not going to abandon you. doesn't matter what happens to our government. doesn't matter what happens to this earth. It could pass away, and eventually all this is going to go away. And you know what's going to last? Man, his love for you and for me. I, man, I wish we lived in this reality. I wish you and I wake, would wake up tomorrow morning and live in light of this kind of love, that we are highly favored and loved by the God of the universe that when I fail and mess up, that he's not angry with me and want to, to kill me, you know, and to remove me. No, he, he loves me. And man, that should just, man, head up, shoulders back, right? Head up, shoulders back. God loves you. And that's something that we should live in light of. This kind of love is not based on what's in it for me. It's all based on the goodwill of other people. Hesed. Now, grab your Bibles, John 3.16. Turn there. Let's look at this. Probably most of us can quote this from memory. But so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Extra credit points. The New Testament was written in Greek. That's right, man. I love it. Greek. And so the Greek word for God's love is agape. That's what God's love is. Okay. And again, this is the kind of love that's not, its origins aren't in humans. It's not, this is of and from God. This is not an emotion or a feeling. I don't, it's not butterflies and, you know, all these things. Oh, you know, it seeks the well-being of others without expecting anything in return. It's a choice and an action a faithful commitment. Kind of a long definition, but that is what agape is. And we see that lined out right here in John's gospel, this beautiful summary of God's love. This is what it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So if you break this down and look at this, number one, 
God's love is a choice. For God so loved. Did you deserve it? No. Did we do anything to, to make him choose? No. Why did he choose? You ever ask that? Why does God love me? Man, it's his choice. It's his nature. It's what he does. It's undeserving. And that's the amazing reality of his love. He chooses to love us. And then he follows it up with a commitment. He gave his only son. Not only did he choose to love us, he provided a way that we could have a relationship back with him. He put his money where his mouth is. He's he's buying it. He's putting some money down saying, this is it. I really believe this. I really love them, and I'm proving it to you. And then he communicates it to us, and then, he, and then we, he confirms it, whoever believes in him. So all we have to do is place our faith in Jesus, and then we get to experience this love and spend eternity with him forever. He confirms it. It's an unbelievable thing. Agape love always is always proven by what it does, not by what it feels. That's agape love. And then you look at the life of Jesus while he was here on the earth, right? You know, there's that passage of Scripture where it talks about how, you know, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's good. He doesn't need to come down here. No, but he didn't see that. He didn't grasp onto that. What does it say? That he left heaven and was obedient even to death on the cross. This, there was nothing in it for him. It was all in it. it everything was for us. And then while he was here on the earth, he lived that. Man, he says that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came and he ate with dinner, dinner with, with sinners, and he washed the disciples' feet. And ultimately, he went to the cross. None of that's in it for him. And if you remember in the Garden of Eden, I mean, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, man, if there's any way, you know, his heart, his soul was in anguish because he knew what he was about to endure. But what did he say? Not my will, but your will all consumed and concerned for the well-being of the other person, not concerned about what's in it for me. 1 John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love is. So love is not found on Netflix. Love is not found on Facebook. Love is not found in culture, in the, the latest trend and craze. This is what love is. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and our sisters. This is a different kind of love. So what do we do? What's our action step? What are we supposed to do with this amazing love? Well, number, we're, we're supposed to love God and love people. We're supposed to take and receive this incredible love that he gives us, this choice, this commitment that he, that he pours out to us, and we should return love and worship to God. And then from that flows out of us love for other people. It's the greatest commandment. You remember in Scripture where Jesus' question, he's like, Jesus, what's the best Scripture in all of this? I mean, what's, what's, the, what's the meaning? What's the whole thing? To love your Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. That's the first commandment. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And you might ask, well, Matt, what's more important? What's, what's out of those? Yes. Both of them are important. They're, they're both equally important, and they almost confirm each other. Like my love for God and his love for me flows out of me into loving other people, and then loving other people just simply confirms the fact that I'm living in light of his love for me, and it's just this cycle over and over and over, and it's like two sides of the same coin. Like you can't separate this. Because God is love, 
man, we, we have to share that with other people. We have to share that with other people. 1 John 4, flip back over to that passage. It's going to be up here on the screen. We're going to break this down just for a second, uh, if we can, and kind of look at John's his, his charge to us as believers, what we're supposed to do with this love says this in verse 7. Beloved, again, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. The basis for our love for other people, first and foremost, is God and his love for me. That's how I love other people. It has to be connected to him. If I'm separated from that, I won't love. Oh, Matt, but, but we love in our... No, no, no. This is the different... This is agape love. This is that self-sacrificial kind of love. This is the highest form of love. And we don't love like this apart from him. But Matt, it's, it's really hard for me to love my sister and my brother. They drive me crazy. It's really hard for me to love my boss or my neighbor, man. The neighbor, he leaves his trash can out far too long. You know, I just can't stand him. Well, if it's hard for you to love, maybe you're trying to love in your own abilities. Maybe you're trying to love separated uh, from God and his power and in your own flesh, and, and, you, and you're trying to feel something. I don't feel love for him. I don't feel love from her. You see, agape love, we have to love from his power and from his love that he gives to us. Our ability to agape love comes from, flows from a regenerated heart. So if you don't have a relationship with God, if you haven't surrendered to him first and foremost, it's just not going to flow. That's what he's saying. He's saying that right here. Anyone who does not love God doesn't know God. And he's basically saying that you're a stranger and you don't know you're a stranger to God if you don't love. That's essentially what he's, what he's getting at. Verse 9, let's move on. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world. He's quoting his gospel. It's amazing here. So that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love. Again, he's, he's defining love for us. You can underline that. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Man, in this is love. Our act was sin. His act was love. And God demonstrated his love by sending his son to prove and to reveal his love for us. That's what God did. And you know, it took that kind of love to break my heart of stone and to give me a new life. I, I wouldn't love God on my own. I'm, you know, apart from him in my flesh, I'm, I'm anti-God. I'm against God. I'm, I'm all about myself. I'm all about my flesh and my sin. But it took his love. He initiated his love and came down and broke away my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. It changed me. It made me new. And then from that place, boom, I love others. That's the beauty of this. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, again, 
our, our vertical relationship with God cannot be separated from our horizontal relationship with other people. I can't go over here and isolate myself and say, I don't ha- I'm not going to involve people. I'm just going to be by myself, and it's just me and you, God. No, it, it must be. We have to love other people. It has to be both together. So you, you got to consider that. As you're going about your day tomorrow, are you loving God? Are you displaying God's love in light of what he did for, for you? And I think, I know this is what John is saying. No matter what other people do, have done to you, hurt you, wronged you, abused you, you can love them because you're loved by this unbelievable love from God. That's how this works. Wrapping up here in verse 12, it says this, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You know, I said at the very beginning of the series and God is holy, we talked about how nobody can see God, that we would die, that we would literally burn up because he's holy and we're not, right? But do you know that God can be seen in the lives of the people who demonstrate his love? It's crazy to think that I, Matt McFadden, this human, when I love people and I serve people and, I, and, I, and I'm generous towards people and I am concerned about them, that people see God in me. And people see God in you when you love other people with this agape love, this different kind of love. The source of it all is this personal union and relationship with him. And if you don't have that right, here in just a minute when we pray, I want to give you that opportunity to make that right to give your life to Christ and trust in Him to be your Lord and Savior. Let Him change your heart and regenerate your heart and give you a new life. Lastly here, you know, the ultimate display of love is how you treat the person you don't like. This is, this is hard. It's kind of where the rubber meets the road. It's like, yeah, love, that's great, Matt, cool. Let's go eat. Let's go get a cookie out in the lobby. But man, you know, how you treat the person you don't like is the true display of this agape love. It's the very heart of God that we were his enemy and he loved us in any way. He, you know, we weren't likable, we weren't lovable, but yet he loved us anyway. And if you claim to be a follower of Christ in here today, the charge, the mandate on you is to love those who are unlovable who don't look like you, who, who do things that maybe you don't like, that you just pour out your, this, this love that comes from someone else, and people are like, man, why do you love me this way? This doesn't make any sense. You're right. This doesn't make any sense because God loved me. I think my last challenge is this. How are you loving others? How are you loving other people? You know, we talk a lot about generosity in here uh, at Southcrest Church, how we're called to live this generous life that God so loved the world that he gave. So God is a generous God that he gives us this life. And we talk about generosity here in three ways, time, talent, and treasure. That's kind of what wraps up generosity, that when we give of these three things, we're being generous. And today, My challenge to you is how are you using your time, your talent, and your treasure, your finances to serve people around you? 
There's some pretty incredible stories at Southcrest Church amongst the people at Southcrest where this is happening uh, all the time. You guys are an incredibly generous person, but I just want you to up the ante. I want you to pray and say, God, how can I be generous even more with the people around me? How can I love my coworkers? How can I love my, my coach? How can I love my teacher and, and show them this, this amazing gospel, your love for all of us? How are you loving others? You know, we are truly living in the end times. We are living in the final hour before Jesus comes back. And I don't know when he's coming back, but we are in the final hour and more and more things are, are coming to pass and all this stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into all that, but I just know we're living in, in, in the end times. And now more than ever, the world does not need another blog about how much we hate something else. The world does not need any more keyboard warriors and Twitter warriors going to battle over whatever thing is out there. We don't need any more trendy trends or this or that. What we need, what the world needs is Christians living out the love of God in the community to those around them every single day. Eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in in the balance. And do you know that you literally have people in your life waiting for you? They're waiting for you to love them with this agape, unconditional, different kind of love. They, they don't even realize that, that what's missing in their life is, is a relationship with God, this God-sized whole, as it said, in this world, we're filling it with everything that we can to stuff in this hole, and nothing is working. And as believers, man, we're to demonstrate God's love, and you got people in your life waiting on you to serve them, waiting on you to love them with this different kind of love.